Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson. What are you thankful for this morning? Oh, let's see. I'm just thinking about what I've, what, what I've done. You know, what's, what's changed in the last The last day? 24 hours. Yeah. Um, um, I'm thankful for food, I yep. guess. Yeah. Done that before. Yeah, I have. I'm thankful for walls. I haven't been thankful for walls before. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you like is this like a, is this like a literal thing or like a metaphorical? I enjoy being separated from people. No, this is a literal thing. Oh, okay. Because when it's raining, walls are really useful. We often think of the roof, right? Sure, we've got a roof over our head. Uh huh. But there's more to life than having a roof over your head. There is having <laughs> walls around that roof the, makes that roof so much better. But there's more to life than having a roof over your head because sometimes the rain can blow sideways. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there's this thing called protected. wind. Exactly. So I think walls are just awesome. See, I have a roof. I'm thankful that I have a roof over my head and that I have walls. You know what you can do? See, I've never been thankful for walls before. You know I've been thankful for a roof before, but I've never been thankful for walls before. But if you have a roof and walls, that means that you can have people over and spend time with people inside a building. That's true. Regardless of the weather. And that is what I'm thankful for because over the next couple of days, I'm having multiple different people over for lunch. Yes. And cooking together and eating and doing Bible studies with them. So I'm... that's what I'm grateful for. There That's what I'm looking there forward See, to. We're both mm. thankful for walls this morning. That's right. Because if I had, if we had no walls, well then the rain would come in sideways. That's right. My Bible no one, would get wet. Yes, no one would want to come over. <laughs> I couldn't make them food. We'd have to yeah. eat wet grass, and then we'd just be like in the animals. That would be terrible, like Nebuchadnezzar. Walls make like walls. That's the distinguishing factor right there. The fact that we can make walls that mean you know we're different. Powerful. <laughs> You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. Don't forget to save that phone number. Let's have some positively different news. Positively different news. Oh, okay. I have, I have a couple different stories. One of them is an update. Remember when we talked about the the satellite that's being sent to an asteroid to just oh, yes. to run into it. It's yeah, final. Yeah. It's taken off, uh-huh. and you know it's hurtling through space. It's just a jet powered, no, a, a rocket powered bullet. Yep. To see if we can move it. To see if we can hit an asteroid and knock it like point zero 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 six percent off course. How many? How many miles? How many kilometers is is point zero 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 zero? However many zeros percent off. Um, six. I'm gonna be honest. We don't know. I have no idea. I'm sure they know, but I'm not seeing it here. But what I do yeah, know... Is it, are they going like, to move, gonna move 500 metres or are they going to move it 300 kilometres? Um, it's going to move it enough to... Because basically you've got a, enough to miss an the asteroid Earth. that's orbiting an asteroid. Okay? Yes. And so they're hitting the asteroid, orbiting the asteroid, and apparently that's like... That simulates if the asteroid was orbiting, like, the sun. Right. And seeing if they can knock it that much off Out course, of orbit. you know. Anyways, but it ceases to orbit. I think the big thing here is that, like, it's like, okay, so when's it going to hit that that asteroid? Well, it has, you know, just about six point seven million miles to travel. Okay, that's decent. Uh, uh-huh, which that's is a, which journey. is a pretty long way, and it's going to get there by a 
about September next year. So I guess that's when we'll uh, come back for the next update of uh, how the dart did. That's a long way for the bullet to arrive at its target. Yeah, but apparently by the time it hits it, it's going to be travelling 6.6 kilometres per second or 15,000 miles an hour. Yeah, that's definitely... uh, (laughs) That is definitely moving fast. That's pretty quick. So So does it accelerate as it goes or do they just bring it up to that speed and it just stays at that speed? I would imagine, like... That they would, they would like, you know, they would want it to be as sufficient as possible to make the best design, and so they would probably bring it up to a speed like a like a cruising speed that it's traveling towards the asteroid with, and then as it approaches the asteroid, adjust the speed accordingly to what their target is, whether it's speeding up or slowing down. It's interesting, and because they're in space and space doesn't have wind resistance, I'm assuming they can just they can just hit the jets. And just rockets, j- just send it into them. Yes, the rockets. That's yeah. But yeah, so I have jets in space. That's right. <laughs> well, I was using the figure of yes. speech. You no, know, you right. know when people yeah, are like yeah, yeah, running yeah, yeah. down the football field, and it's like, oh, they turned on the jets. You know, it's like they're gonna they're gonna hit the button, and it's gonna send it into this asteroid, and we're nah, gonna see if we can move cool. it point zero 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 six. Oh, that would <laughs> that would be so bad. <laughs> You've got one shot. It's going to take, what, a year to get there, <laughs> and then you miss. I wonder if you can – I wonder if they've left enough. It's not enough. like you can do a fast reload and send a second shot down range. I'm wondering if they could do – like, if the ast- uh, if the dart itself has enough fuel, like, if they've accounted for a miss. Like, it could – it could Stop, turn around, and come back? Yeah. Never seen anyone do that with a bullet before. Yeah. That would be pretty epic. But, you know, the thing's got rockets on it. I'm sure it's propelled in a – Certain directions that have the they have the ability to directionally guide it. Oh, oh, that would be so crazy! That would, metal jacket, like that, that would have to, like, yeah, they'd have to do like a big loop de loop and hit it again because they've missed it. But how sad would about, that be? They've always talked about bullets that will uh, shoot around corners. So you know. yeah, that's what. Well, uh, this has. I think this would have the ability to do it. It's got like these wings on it that I assume are for steering while it's going through through air through space. No, you can't use wings in space. No, but like they're wings. Like, but if you put rockets, like oh yeah, 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 something to propel. Yes, you have the ability to turn. Yes, yes. Anyways, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, look, nonetheless, they we, just we, we, they you, better you not can miss. All, you can all tell that uh, Lawson and I are rocket scientists. Uh, d- we clearly, know all about how clearly, this works. clearly we are the experts in this field. Dude, speaking of science and cool things happening, particularly a young. Uh, among young people, um, there's a kid who grew up in Sierra Leone who has just won a hundred thousand uh, dollars as part of the Chegg.org Global Student Prize for 2021. If you, if anyone knows what Chegg is, I don't know how Chegg is allowed to sponsor Global Student Prizes because they're, you know, they're almost like a, a cheating agency. If you know how Chegg works, you like upload math problems to them and then they give you the solutions. But um, and so people use it to cheat during exams but nonetheless um this kid from sierra leone his name is jeremiah this is the most epic last name theronka jeremiah theronka and he's invented uh, a machine like so he you know the big focus there renewable energy you know and how and and i feel like we talk about it on the show all the time and everyone's talking about it so this guy has made a renewable energy machine that collects and absorbs kinetic energy by vehicles passing over it Cool. So basically, it sits in the road. It's like a pressure plate. Right. Vehicles pass over it, and it stores that energy and turns it into electricity. 
That's amazing. So this kid, he's like 17 years old. He's made a startup out of this in Sierra Leone. And Sierra Leone has probably one of the most primitive and... Uh, That's nuts. Like, le- like, least effective power grids in the world. Only uh-huh, 26% uh-huh, uh-huh. of the population of Sierra Leone has electricity. Desperately poor. And Desperately poor. Out of that 26%, like, the power grid is always dropping out. And so, yeah. you know, he's... Jeremiah, he's attending school with his fellow classmates, and he's seeing that students actually fall behind in school because they don't have the ability to go and study at home because they yes. can't see. That's right. Like they just they don't have mm-hmm. the ability to to turn on the lights. So he come up with this method of again this kinetic energy system where cars just like drive over it and and it makes. Electricity, and I loved his statement about it. He's like, you know, this is, this device is so important because, like, you know, although we're moving away from coal, we're moving away from fuel, we're moving away from all these different things, we'll never move away from movement. People will always be traveling in vehicles, and at the very least, walking. And if you have pressure plates that can absorb kinetic energy, you can create electricity. He's trialed this in his own town of uh, Makawo, and this. Um, system that he's got set up in Makawo has been powering 150 nearby homes as well as 15 schools, which totals to like 10,000 people, which is fantastic for a device that a 17-year-old has chucked together, you know, from Sierra Leone. And you so, are not kidding. So he's doing amazing work, and now he's been rewarded with, you know, the $100,000 cash prize from the Global Student um, Awards, and all of that will be going into his startup to continue to grow and make new prototypes and develop this machinery. Because, like, that's the thing is that, yeah, it's so, he's thought through this point so good. It's genius, like... People are never going to stop moving. So now he wants to move into the hospital sector. He's like, oh, you know, well, people and ambulance are driving in and out of hospitals all day, every day. If I put, you know, these pressure plates are in and around the hospital that can lend power to the hospital. And maybe, you know, you can put pressure plates on the side of the streets that people walk on as they're traveling in and out of the hospital. Um then you've got to be be able to create energy and sustain all kinds of different things. Um, so, yeah, this is genius right here. Um, and this kid is very deserving of the award. Uh, final story I have. This one is really interesting uh, as well, and um, uh, particularly to me, because it's all about uh, knee reconstructions and how they have found new ways to alleviate you know, pain, particularly during a knee ke- reconstructions and knee surgeries that haven't alleviated or fixed the problem, uh, which is great for me because I think, you know, by the time I'm around 30, I'm probably going to get a Rico, uh, if not very soon, because uh, my knees are absolutely wrecked. Uh, but I was reading, so basically they have this system where, you know, someone can do a knee reconstruction um and if they're still experiencing pain afterwards what they do is they have this this new type of thing it's called cool radio frequency ablation and they stick a giant needle into someone's knee and they send electric pulses to soothe the muscles and of the people the 21 participants who have taken place in their their initial um tests all of them found that they were suffering from chronic knee pain before and now they're not it's been fully alleviated, so really, really Fantastic cool stuff. stuff. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. 
Let's have a head over to Missouri and Ooh. to the University of St. Louis because this is a story that is not so much about the story but it is about how language has changed mm. and how arguments have changed and how often what happens in when society changes, religion often gets left behind. And it's not that we get left behind but we just don't stay up to date with where culture has moved. And we still keep arguing the same arguments that we were arguing you know, 10 years ago which are not arguments that anybody on the other side is arguing anymore. Mm. Anyway, so uh, the Students for Life chapter um, at the St. Louis uh, University uh, created a memorial, and this memorial had a 1,000 flags in it in the form of a cross, and each flag uh, was there to represent one unborn child that had been aborted. <sighs> and so it's a, it's a memorial to, the, to those who are, mm. who are dead. Which is, you know, that's that's, you know, when we look at memorials for people that have died, they are places that we generally respect, mm. and we don't, you know, tamper with them or mess with them or anything like that. And of course, this created. There was a group there, you know, one of these uh, uh, groups at the university that is devoted to inclusivity, tolerance, and compassion. Ah, uh, I, I think I know how the story is going to end. Like, I, I haven't heard this, but I am like. Yep. Please. As soon as people start talking about inclusivity, tolerance, and compassion, no. you know you're going to get a bucket load of bigotry and hatred, right? But I'm just like, okay, please don't tell me they tore down this monument. They tore down this monument. Oh, yikes. They formed a violent mob. They came in screaming all kinds of stuff and tore the monument down, which is, you know, <laughs> this is uh, this is how the inclusive, tolerant, and compassionate group act these days. Um, they act with mob violence. That's just what we've been seeing um, over and over again. But the thing that was interesting about it is some of the reactions that were observed by those who had put the memorial there because, you know, they came down to try and defend their memorial, but that sort of wasn't going to happen. Um, but, you know, there was a lot of really nasty things said and words that we would never say as a Christian and certainly never say on radio. Uh, but, you know, it was kind of summed up by one person who was just screaming, you just really enjoy your life because I'll enjoy mine and I'll, etc., etc., keep killing babies. Mm. And in the past, there never used to be a discussion in the abortion debate about killing babies. Mm. The discussion was always always revolved around when does a baby become a baby? Mm. When is it a group of cells that is meaningless that we can destroy and when does it become a person? Mm. And so there was all these arguments, you know, is it when the heartbeat is detected? Is it a fetus? You know, is a fetus a person? You know, we used to have these arguments backwards and forwards and Christians would point out that the Bible says that a child can be filled with the Holy Spirit from conception, mm. from its mother's womb. Uh, we've got examples of that in the Bible. And so that was kind of the, the standpoint that we would, you know, come from as Christians, that a person is a person from the moment of conception. A life is a life from the moment of conception. But what's happened is that that's actually changed. Nobody's actually arguing. We're still arguing that as Christians, but we're beating the air because nobody's arguing that anymore. Wow. And the reason that nobody's arguing that anymore is because, well, now we have abortion to birth. And when you have abortion to birth, that whole argument is mute. Mm. Why would you even be having a discussion over whether it's a person or not? Because clearly it is a person. Mm. You know, if you go back 10 years, you've got this um, article in the Journal of Medical Ethics by Professor Alberto uh, Giulbilini and Francisca uh, Minerva, 
where the authors in their abstract say this, abortion is largely accepted even for reasons that do not have anything to do with the fetus's health. By showing that, one, both fetuses and newborns do not have the same moral status as actual persons. Did you catch that? Wait, wait. <laughs> both fetuses and newborns do not have the same moral status as actual persons. <laughs> what? Number two, the fact that both are potential persons... So a newborn is a potential person, is morally irrelevant. Three, adoption is not always in the best interest of actual people. The authors argue that we call that we call afterbirth abortion, in brackets killing a newborn, should be permissible in all the cases where abortion is permissible, including cases where the newborn is not disabled. I am shocked. So this I was am, okay, okay, okay. okay. Like, this, I, this is this is this is right. what was this was this was ten years ago, right? This was ten years ago. Yeah. But the thing is, this is law in Australia now, and in many states in the United States, this is legal. Mm. We've legalized abortion to birth, mm-hmm. and we have actually, in law, stated that this is not murder. That this is not taking a human life. This is not a human. You think of the legal precedent that that sets up, and you think of, you know, you think back to the the, the bad old days, the dark old days of child sacrifices, mm. and you know so many of the horrific things that you see in the Bible, um, and it's just kind of like, you know, is it really that different? This is like, you know, we talk about like difference of perspective and opinion, and and like. For example, you know, our, our understanding of how God works in people's lives and that, you know, God can do a work in someone's life even if they don't know him in the sense of, like, knowledge or theology. Oh, absolutely. You know, someone, yes. God can touch a person's heart, you know, and, and even in, like, the worst situations, like, good can come from it even if there's difference of perspectives on different issues and, and all these different things. We, we recognize all this and, and people have the rights and the freedoms to live in the way that they want to live. Um, but at the same time, this is just killing babies, bro. <laughs> and look, I know like... that there's a lot of people out there who've been brainwashed by the media and by the medical community that this is this is a fine thing. And I know that there's a lot of people that are suffering because of that, mm. like really seriously suffering because of that. Mm. And 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 I just want to say that you know if you need to talk to somebody, give us a call here. Call Lifeline one three one 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 four is the number to call, because we're not here to go after people who have a, a past. Yeah. That's, that's not right. what the, that's not that's what this is right. about. This is not about going after, but this is a call for people who don't have a past and who have a future. Mm. This is this is what this story is all about. Mm. But yeah, yeah oh, to make the argument or, like that, that's just that argument that like yeah, after birth, like once they're born, are they considered that they're still not considered a person? That's it's legal. It's law here in Australia. <laughs> then who is like? Yeah, then, that's right. Where do you draw that line? You yeah. know, when do they be, when do they become morally valuable? Mm. You know, if you uh, if you look at Bernard Nathanson's book, he's uh, called The Hand of God: A Journey from Death to Life by the Abortion Doctor Who Changed His Mind, and he says the answer is actually very simple as to why this is pushed so hard. Um, he's a doctor who performed seventy five thousand abortions, mm. and he says it's got nothing to do with moral arguments. Mm-hmm. 
He says, it's simple arithmetic. $300 a pop. You times that by 1.55 million abortions annually, that's $500 million. Mm. And the economy simply can't survive without it. Wow. And that's why it will never become illegal because financially it would break the economy to make it illegal. And by the way, most of that money goes into the pocket of the physician who's doing the abortion, so those doctors aren't going to want to stop doing it as well. Mm. Uh, but, of course, you know, once it goes into his pocket, then it circulates through the economy and it keeps the economy going. That's how the economy works. So you start to do the figures on that and, you know, even like places like Japan, which is extremely pro-abortion, you've got, you know, situations where you've got, you know, the water baby temples. They've, they've built the water baby temples where, you know, mothers can go and, and uh, have priests pray for their unborn children at $640 a pop. Mm. Or if you're a super poor person, you can get a discount down as far as low as $120 with $40 for each additional baby. And it's completely, the whole thing has been commercialized. It's all about money. Just follow the money. Wow. It's pretty cold when you look at, you know, the, the, the value of a child, 300 bucks. Mm. $300. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so joining us on the phone this morning, um, we have Karen Collum. Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's very nice to be up bright and early to chat with you. <laughs> we, it's, it, it doesn't feel bright and early for us because we kind of do this every day, but... Um, we're glad it's uh, bright and early for everybody who is listening in and uh, participating in the show. Now, we've got this book here called uh, Advent for Kids, and from time to time over the last couple of weeks, we've been promoting this book as, you know, and, 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 and sharing copies as, as prizes and so forth. Karen, you're the author of this book. I am. Now, technically, I'm the co-author. However, I will take credit for the words in the book. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun to write. And I'm just so glad that you've been getting it out there. Yeah, absolutely. This is amazing. So for those of you who are unaware, and, well, why don't you tell us, what is Advent Kids for? What's it all about? And uh, why is it important right now? Sure. So Advent for Kids was the brainchild of actually someone else. That's why his name's on the cover. So Nathan Brown wrote a book last year called Advent, and that was a brilliant exploration of so many aspects of the traditional Christmas story of Jesus' birth that we hear about every year, and we get the great nativity scenes, and you know the Christmas carols all, all deal with that amazing event. So Nathan wrote this beautiful book for adults that went through a chapter a day for the entire month of December. And across that month, you got to kind of do a deep dive into the Christmas story. Well, Nathan and the team at Science Publishing decided they would like to produce a family version of that, a companion volume to his advent. And that's what Advent for Kids is. And that's what I had the privilege of writing. So this is a book for families to use every day during the month of December, which starts tomorrow. I'm not sure how that's happened, but it does start tomorrow. And it's a little reading activities and a chapter a day to get you in the Christmas spirit and to get to the heart of the meaning of Christmas. Yeah, this is absolutely amazing. And, you know, I just want to say that if you don't get your copy in time for tomorrow, get your copy whenever you can because you can sort of jump in and start wherever you want. And it's going to be good for next year anyway. Um, tell me, absolutely. What, what, what age bracket have you targeted here? 
Sure. So this is written for families primarily with kids aged 5 to 12, so that primary school type age. However, there's a lot of flexibility around that. And if you've got a two-year-old at home, they'll be able to join in with some of some of the questions. And honestly, I actually think it's written in a way that it doesn't matter how old you are. You could be five or 105, and I think you'd still find something interesting, still find some of the questions thought-provoking, and hopefully you'll really enjoy just the process of spending five or ten minutes every day thinking about the Christmas story. Yeah, I mean, when my, my kids were babies, um, we used to read to them every night. Um, and, of course, you know, when they're infants, like even even just a couple of months old, the only thing that they knew was that they could hear their parents' voice and they were loved and this was something that happened at a certain time every day and it was just a part of forming a, a, a schedule. But I think it's important to, you know, we never know when they really start understanding everything that we're saying. So, you know... Just start them young and, and, and run them through. That's, um, that's, that's amazing. Now, just running through the uh, – looking at the book here, it comes in a couple of segments. So you've got the, uh, the roundtable, you've got the remember, the read, reflect, react. What's all this about? What, what, what's happening sure. in each one of these segments? So I'm a great believer in structure. Uh, I've been a primary teacher for 25 years. I've, I've done a lot of work with children professionally. And kids love predictability. Yes. They love knowing what comes next. So we've created Advent for Kids around a specific structure. So each day you kind of know what to expect. Once you've done it a few times, you'll get into the rhythm of it. So the round table, that starts off with a question. And that question is basically designed to bring everybody's personal life experiences to the table. And it's a great time of sharing. It's a question like name something you're scared of or what's the best Christmas present you've ever received or how did you get your name? Do you know the meaning of your name? So it's designed to just get families talking, chatting, sharing. The next section is called Remember and that's got a Bible verse in it that relates to the topic of the day. Following that, we have a read section. That's where the main story happens. So that's about two to 300 words. doesn't take very long to read. It's designed to be read out loud. And it shares the main heart of what we're going to focus on that day. That's followed by a reflect question. It's always great to go, well, what have we learned? What does that mean? How did that make me feel? And that's what the reflect question is designed for. And at the end, there's a react section. This is where it gets fun and this is where families can go as big or small as they like. But there's little activities suggested. It might be dress up and act out the Christmas story or it might be write a thank you note to someone who could do with some encouragement. There's also a website that you can get to going to sciencepublishing.com.au forward slash advent for kids with a hyphen in between each word and they've got some extra activities on there as well. So really, you can choose as a family what works for you. If you're running late, you might just want to do the read section. But if you've got time, you might want to do the whole thing, including the craft or activity at the end. Yeah, that's amazing. Hey, uh, if you were just to 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 do the bare minimum, which is just read the story, um, how long would that take? And if you engaged with everything that there is to engage there, how long would that take? Sure. If you did the story alone, I reckon five minutes. I reckon five minutes. You could even do it, have one of your older kids read it in the car on the way to school. Like it can be used in so many ways. If you were going to do the whole thing and if everyone was really engaged and having a blast, you're probably looking at 15 to 20 minutes. And possibly for some of the younger kids, 
you might get even half an hour of a craft activity out of it as well. And we all know how helpful that is when you have young ones and you can sit them at the table and go, here, finish colouring this thing for me while I get dinner. Yes, particularly uh, for those of us up here in the Newcastle area where it's been raining for the last three weeks, um, having, yeah. some, having some good craft ideas is, is always fantastic and always super useful, uh, particularly at Christmas time. Hey, I'm just wondering, as, as you were writing this particular book, do you have a favourite chapter? I mean, there's, what, 30-some chapters? Is it 30 or 31 days in? 31. 31, 31 in December. 31 days in December, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you have a favourite? Oh, boy. That is really, really tricky. I think for me, it's probably Chapter 6, and that chapter is called Light in the Darkness. And I just feel like, you know, the older I get, I'm, I'm pushing towards 50 now. I've got four kids of my own. You know, we work, we, we go to church, we've got families extended families, I recognize the older that I get, but there's lots of stuff that people are dealing with. There's a lot of hard things that people are going through. And for me, that idea that the birth of Jesus was light in the darkness, that's something that never gets old. And it's something that I never tire of being reminded of. And it's my hope that Advent for Kids can bring a little bit of light to people this Christmas. Yeah, and I love the uh, activity on this one, which would obviously work better at night time, but it says, tonight, go into the darkest room of your house, turn off all the lights, see what happens when you shine even the smallest light in the darkness. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it. Uh, I, I think that's a, a, a just a fun thing for kids to do, you know. Let's see how dark we can make the room, and then you switch on, you know, maybe one tiny little LED and see how much light it just shines around the place. Absolutely. My kids are a bit older now, but I know they used to love going into the dark as long as there was an adult with them. And that, that whole idea of just being a little bit scared and safely scared, they really enjoyed that. And then being able to be the one to turn on the light and to drive out the darkness, that I think is really powerful for kids. Now, for Christmas Day itself, uh, what's your recommendation? Presents first or a chapter of the book first? Well, look, I, of course, would love to say chapter of the book first. However, I'm a mum. I get it. I get that the kids get up and they're really excited. And do you know what I don't want? I don't want it to feel like Advent to Kids is a chore. So if your family's in the habit of doing maybe a family worship time in the morning and that's always what you do, by all means, go ahead and do it. But the reality is this book can be used at any time. And the topic for the day on Christmas Day is so appropriate. The heading is joy. And there is joy in watching our kids have their eyes wide and all that excitement. So I actually don't think it really matters. Fit it in somewhere throughout your day. I'd love to think that this could be something that families make as part of their Christmas tradition. It is something that you can use year after year because the questions that the kids are asked their answers are going to change as they get older. So what you're scared of when you're five is going to be very different to what you're scared of probably when you're 12. So it's a book that can grow with your family, be used year after year, and hopefully be incorporated into your Christmas tradition. Yeah, I I know when my kids were, uh, well, it's our Christmas tradition that we always used to have family worship before we had presents, which, you know, it serves a number of things. First of all, it's uh, a way of putting Jesus first. And secondly, it teaches some delayed gratification, which is always a a beneficial thing for kids to learn. But um, and adults, I have to say, but yes, yeah, I agree. <laughs> this is true. This is so true. Okay, so Christmas is over, but the book isn't finished yet. Where does the book Do go? You know, 
Yeah. My husband asked me this same question last night. He said to me, wait, Christmas Day is finished. Why why does the book continue? And that's because the story of Jesus doesn't stop at the birth of Jesus. So the birth of Jesus at Christmas, and it's not the exact date. You know, historically, it was probably sometime a little bit earlier in the year. But those kind of details really don't change the heart of the story. But his birth was just the beginning because Jesus went on to grow up. He he served, he stepped into his role as uh, the Messiah, and he did amazing things during his life. And then at the end, the Bible tells us that he, after his death and his resurrection, he went back to heaven, and he's going to come again one day. So there's so much more to the story than just finishing at Christmas Day. And that is actually what I love about this book. It positions the birth of Jesus in the context of Jesus' whole life and ministry, and also our, I suppose, history and what we've got to look forward to as well. Yeah, and I'm just looking at these final chapters here. You've got Jesus, uh, you know, dark days, obviously, when they're heading down to Egypt and so forth, but then you've got a chapter on Jesus' teaching. You've got a chapter on the cross. You've got a chapter on the resurrection. Uh, you've got a chapter on the advent and a chapter, you know, finishes off with a chapter called Hope, which really finishes off the... The, the, the Christmas story for the month and makes it that, uh, you know, that month-long uh, children's devotional. Karen, do you have a plan to do one for Easter at some stage? Oh, I would love to do that. That would be amazing. So Nathan and I are going to have to chat about that one. Um, a, little bit harder, a little bit harder to, to centre it on a month, though, because Easter sort of does really bounce around all over the place, doesn't it? It does. However, Lent is a very popular tradition in many Christian practices and faiths. And and I'm wondering if there's something we could do around that because there's so much more to unpack in the Easter story as well. Uh, and I love the fact that Advent for Kids finishes on hope and that we do have a hope that one day there's not going to be any more tears and no more suffering and no more sadness. And that is because we can trace that back to this incredible act of God where the God of the universe became a a vulnerable baby. And that just is mind-blowing. And and the very fact that we know the story of Jesus 2,000 years on is evidence in itself that this was just not an ordinary birth because there's no reason why we should remember the birth of this insignificant baby, apparently, from all intents and purposes, to poor parents who were an oppressed people under foreign rule, why would that story exist today? And it's just a testament to the power of this one act, this sending of the the Christ child, and how transformational that is, not just on a personal level, but also on a societal level. And I just love the fact that we can leave people with the hope of something amazing for the future as well. Yes. Now, Karen, just uh, quickly before we finish off, um, obviously we don't have much time left to get a get a copy of this book. Uh, where can we go to get a copy today? Sure. Any Adventist book centre, if you're near one of those, they should have copies in stock. The other thing you can do is actually buy it online and it will be delivered to your house. So whether you want to Google Adventist Book Centre and go from there, or it's actually available if you really want it today, right now, 
my kids were delighted the other day. They had their Kindles out and they did a search for mum's name and up it comes. So it's available as an ebook as well. It's also available from pretty much any online bookseller. So if you wanted to Google Advent for Kids, and then put in Karen Column and Nathan Brown. Make sure you do that because there's a lot of resources with a similar title or that are grouped under a similar title. Then uh, put our names in, put the name of the book in, and it will bring up lots of options for you about where you can get the book. And as you said at the start, it doesn't matter if you don't start tomorrow. You can actually pick this up and run with it wherever you begin and you know finish. If you miss a couple of days, doesn't matter. Keep going into January. Fantastic, Karen. Karen, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM right now. We're going to continue on with the show. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.